Well, okay, Internet. You're going to be back for episode number 37 of Kenter at Your Own Risk with Kent and Chris talking about episode 10 of season 1 of House of the Dragon, The Black Queen. And after that, you're going to get a few weeks off from us instead of the constant week-after-week, in-your-face, hard-hitting coverage of this actually pretty awesome HBO series. Um, that being said, uh, I had a pretty good week. It was a short week at work with a lot of bullshit there, but as soon as I got done, my uh, father-in-law came to visit for my birthday, which is you know makes me feel pretty honored. Um, I got to have some sushi tonight, which is always my favorite thing in the world to eat. And... Uh, talking to Kent, he's feeling better, but he still sounds sick. So, outside of that, Kent, how was your week? Um, so I, I need to admit, I've never had sushi in my life, so just go admit that right now. Is I haven't been back upstate New York in a while. I mean, are there even sushi places up there? There are a couple of places. I can't vouch for, you know, the quality of them, obviously. Um, but there are a couple of places you can get it. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. I, I'm just not much into seafood at all to begin with, so. Well, I would imagine, like, they're not in, like, Johnstown or Gloversville, but maybe, like, Amsterdam, Schenectady, Saratoga, that kind of stuff. There is one in Gloversville, I think. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So, yeah, interesting. Um, aside from that, it's been a week of... I, I've just been so exhausted that to get into doing anything has been an absolute challenge. So, I haven't done jack shit. My, my October is, has been... It started cool and has been atrocious since then, so... Uh, I'm happy that we're nearing the end. I'm a little sad that I didn't do more. Um, but there's always November. Did I tell you what we're doing for Halloween? Nay. Um, my wife got my son the Eddie Munson costume from season four of Stranger Things. And she is dressing up as Dustin. And so we got me the... Scoops Ahoy Steve costume from season three. Awesome. <laughs> and we got my father-in-law Hopper's uh, Hawaiian shirt from season three. So we're going to do a Stranger Things Halloween. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Did, did you ever get around to playing uh, Stranger Things like season three, the video game? You know, I have it on my computer and I think on my Xbox and I just I've never played it. I've played through it twice now. I, I must admit, it's way more fun than it probably should be. It was one of those good, like, retro kind of new age games? Yeah, like, they did. A, they really followed Season 3 as very close for a video game. Um, and it was very playable, very fun. And, you know, you could pick and choose among tons of characters. And... I don't know. I, I by and large, I didn't mind the mechanics of having to switch characters to do various things. I liked it. I'd recommend it. You know, if I wasn't in my dad bod shape, I would have just done like shirtless Billy. But since I Ooh. since I am, you know, I was like that, that was like my costume twenty years ago. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> I, I'd like to think I'm more. Uh, God, I can't even think of the the 
the dude that's funny, he's older, he hangs out with Joyce in season four. Oh, Murray. Uh, Murray. Murray, yeah. That would be me. So. so, I mean, now that we've digressed for almost four minutes, um, what do you think overall of this episode? Like, before we uh, get into the specifics. It, it was fine. Like, I'm happy... I'm happy that they didn't do... I, I don't know. I was starting to wonder if they were going to go uh, and, like, basically do the exact same time frame as the previous episode, only with Rhaenyra's... Yeah, Rhaenyra's side. But they didn't. They just continued on the timeline, which I, I liked. Um, some of the stuff was better than others for me. Uh, it, like, Damon and Rhaenyra had, had such an interesting dynamic this episode that we hadn't really seen between those two. So that was interesting. Um, I also really enjoyed Rhaenys. Uh, kind of see her... I don't want to say evolution. It wasn't an evolution. It was just kind of how things had to be. So One of the uh, reviewers that I watched on YouTube was like, Rhaenys was like Damon all season long in this episode, she was like the, the dude leaning up against the wall, smirking while like everything was going on in like every scene she was in. She had a lot of looks going on this week. And I, I was very appreciative of that. And I was happy to see Cor- Corley's back. Cause I, I don't know. I wasn't sure if we were actually going to get him or not. I mean, he's pre- looking pretty healthy for somebody who's, apparent death sparked off a whole succession dispute. Yeah, I fully expected him to be, like, hobbled, like, disheveled. Like, not necessarily Skeletor, like but... Like the black know. version of Viserys. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I expected so much worse, and no, he's just got a limp and a cane. Okay. He's good to go. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know, it, it wasn't... It, it, I don't want to say it was a memorable episode because aside from the ending, it wasn't the most memorable episode by any means. Uh, but it was still good, and I have... I don't know. I, I'm super intrigued by getting to know more of these dragons. So, I would definitely agree with you. In that, <coughs> of course. Wait until just as soon as I... Um, that it wasn't a very memorable episode... Uh, up until the end. But, I mean, I think that's fine for, like, middle season episodes. How do you think it compared to, like, season finales? Uh, that's where it was a little weak. The The, the thing is, they, they realized that this was not the strongest episode, so they had to end it. I mean, I'm guessing this was all in the source material anyway, but... They had to give us the you know some kind of big ending, and in that regard, they did deliver. But for season finale, uh, compared to other ho- uh, Game of Thrones, like this, really, this would be if you compared it to every Game of Thrones season finale, this would be the weakest episode. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I'm unanimous, but I think season six probably still for me is one of the strongest. You know, you have Cersei blowing up King's Landing and John being crowned king in the north, you know, to cap the two different sides of what's going on. Um, and Danny finally, finally 
leaving Marine. Um, you know, and then this, I, I don't, I, I really felt like even with how it ended, it probably needed like another 20 minutes to really get us to, to what we needed to, to be. I mean, uh-huh. we had a lot of unanswered questions, you know, I don't this, know. this was an episode eight, not an episode 10. Exactly. That's, that's really what it felt like. Um, it, it's not sitting there making me go, gosh, I can't wait for the next season. Like, yeah, I am excited, but, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, they, those season finales, they got me amped for the following season. I, I'm excited only because we're doing the, the blog and podcast. Like, if we weren't doing that, uh, apathy? I mean, I was, like, to go back to our first episode discussion. You know, I wasn't interested in really talking about this before I watched the first episode. And then it was good enough that I was like, okay, you won back a lot of the um, negative feelings that the last season of Game of Thrones threw at us. Uh, And I would say they're still relatively here. Like, there were more highs than lows in this season for sure. But this, like you said, it wasn't something to make me super excited for season two. Yeah, they... I get they were trying to make it like a little more intimate at the ending, but um, it didn't like have the bombast in it. Uh, no, they it, they it, did it, time jumps in weird places where they probably didn't need to, and then they rushed stuff that was all in the same time frame. When they uh, agreed, yeah. I will say you know we've kind of been touching on this the past two weeks. Um, the new Rhaenyra actress is growing on me. Uh, I'll, I'll say that for her, at the very least. Um, yeah, yeah, she was, she was good. Um, like Matt Matt Smith is still doing really good. I, I do think Patty Considine probably deserves the Emmy this year, hands down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't. Well, I haven't watched a bunch, so I can't compare it to other performances, but he did a hell of a job, and he deserves consideration at the very least. And, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I think I needed something more, and I, I don't know what that something more is, but I needed something more in this episode. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I don't think we needed a big action fest or whatever, but like a cliffhanger. We we needed at least for the war to actually start. And although the instigating event happens in this episode, we we don't actually get, you know, like a declaration of war or you know, an acknowledgement of of everything that's gone on. You know, um it's kind of ambivalent to, towards that whole thing for most of the episode. Honestly, you know, one thing I, I would have actually been okay with is if they would have left um, the cloaked person walking away from the flaming building that was in Episode Nine. They could have put that in here, for example, and that would have added a little bit of intrigue. I mean, I, I know that would have switched locations, and that's something that they really... They weren't really going back to King's Landing for this particular episode, and I get that, but something little like that would have added some bit of intrigue, I guess. Yeah. Yes. I mean, as it is, 
this was another, I mean, even minus the search for Waldo last episode, this was another episode similar to that one where everything's for the most part in one location, tightly constrained, um, decent amount of scenes, but a lot of just dialogue and, uh, discussions. We do uh, yeah, get a bunch episode of... Episode 8 was the last good episode for me. We do get a bunch of new characters in this one that we've never seen before, which is awesome to do in episode 10 of your 10-episode season. That's right. Just uh, I mean, we, we still don't know the name of uh, Helena and Aegon's children, so, you know, we're we're into introducing characters without names or just introducing characters. Yeah, it, it don't matter. None of it matters, I guess. All right, so when we where the hell do we start? We it's with um uh Rhaenyra and Luke talking, worried about Corley's dying, and yeah. doesn't, he doesn't want Driftmark. He's worried, you know, naturally, like a young teenager would be that, you know, I'm, I'm following, you know, the guy known as the greatest sailor ever. You know, how am I going to command? You know, I don't even know anything. I get sick when I go get on a ship for more than, a, you know, 20 minutes. And she gives a pretty good mom pep talk, you know, like I was afraid, you know, and unsure when I was named the heir, but over the years I realized that, you know, it's our duty to do this kind of stuff. She channeled her inner uh, Viserys there, I think. If only she had done it more in the, you know, decades leading up to this. We might not, wow. we might not have a civil war on our hands, but Who the hell is Sir Laurent Marbrand? Just a random sir that they had to just give us random sirs? Uh, was he the one who looked like the, he, the bald He's the one that came the, in is like, hey, Renice is here. The bald head with the uh, the, the beard? Yeah. Uh, I, I would, well, you know, the Kingsguard basically isn't just for the king, it's for the royal family, so the the two that we see... Him and what's the other guy's name? Sir, Sir Stephen Darklin. Yeah. Uh, those are the Kingsguard assigned to Damon and Renera. Uh, okay. Yes. So, you know, basically, as we find out later, what's going to be the core of their white cloaks? That makes sense. Okay. Um, so he comes in and he says, Rainey's is here. Correct. Yes. Did Damon show up before that, or was he still? Um. Oh, no. Let's see. Renice just arrived. And wants to see Renier and Damon. So I think Damon's gotta be there, according to my notes. Yeah, I thought it was. It was like initially her talking to Luke, and then Damon walked in. Like maybe Jake, Jace walked in, and then Damon walked in. You know, like Jason, the girls walked in, and yeah. then Damon walked in. You know. I thought they were yeah. they were all there when he announced that Rainey showed up. That would make sense. But again, it's been a couple of days since the episode aired, so I don't remember right. for certain. Um, so then we go to the scene where Rainey's walks in, and um, if I remember correctly, most of the court was assembled. Correct? You know, so like these, yeah. their Meister, the their knights, the two that we mentioned. Um, whatever random nobles are hanging out on Dragonstone with them. 
Uh, and Rainey's walks in and she's like, yo, shit got real in King's, <laughs> King's Landing. Your daddy died. Um, your stepmom slash ex-bestie uh, put your nephew or your uncle, your brother, your brother on the throne. And uh, yeah, declared you guys traitors. So have fun. Haha. <laughs> It, it's one of those weird things where you still think in your mind that, I don't know, I guess Rhaenyra was mentally prepared for Viserys' impending death, but like, it, there was like no moment of grieving. It was immediately like, well, shit. I, I don't know, I thought that was kind of weird that there was not oh, like even five seconds of grieving. What I, what I love, too, is Damon immediately goes to, they fucking murdered my brother. <laughs> it's like I know it. They Damon murdered him. That's great. <laughs> and he then he's like, so "Rainies, why didn't you breathe? Why didn't you save your carries? Like everybody wanted you to last episode." <laughs> and she's like, "Well, you know, it's not my job to start the war. The book would be too short if I did that." Right? Like she's like, "Come on now, what what's left of the story if I just you know do this now? Do you just want one season?" And all of their agents said, no. We need the money. Um, And, yeah, and the baby's coming, too. Oh, Jesus, yes. I forgot about that. That was... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're doing uh, some really awful things with women's bodies in these episodes. They really, really are. I mean, I'm, you know, they should probably show episode one and then episode ten to, um, you know, an episode. What was episode five? Was the one where she uh, she had? Um, I think it's six. six. They should show those three scenes from episodes in like high school, uh, you know, like health class, yeah, health class, and be like, okay, who wants to have a baby now? Everybody be like, yeah. uh, I'll stick to condoms and no premarital sex, please. I mean, can we go back to when Game of Thrones just showed lots of tits and ass? I mean, instead we're just getting all this horrific s- stuff to pregnant women. Yeah, I would I would even be happy with dongs over, like, having to watch a live stillbirth. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming uncomfortable at this point. I agree. But, um, so, we we basically get the start of like the war council and then the baby begins to come correct in this scene basically yeah. yeah one thing i found interesting and you could shed a little bit more light on this was uh damon said that he wanted to conscript the dragon keepers since they're capable fighters have we seen a single dragon keeper that looked remotely capable of, of being a fighter um well we've only seen what like maybe six in the entire both series yeah, yeah like how like is there a shitload of these dudes? I'd imagine there'd probably have to be at least a couple dozen. Okay, like, so there should be some capable fighters among them. Okay. I mean, I, I would assume that, like, learning to dance around, you know, dragon flames would at least make you agile. <laughs> um, Fair enough. And I, I would imagine, that, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, if you have. You know, fighting people off trying to steal the dragon eggs. Um, you know, although they didn't do a good job with Damon. Um, I would imagine, you know, with what 
they have like thirteen, and the other side has four. So yes. so there'd probably be at least you know a couple of shifts you know to stay awake you know like oh shit, crazy ass dragon's getting hungry at two in the morning. Let's go grab my goat before he fucking goes on a rampage kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <sighs> so, I I liked. Uh how Jace kind of grew a pair of balls here. Suddenly he's just like, yeah, leave Damon to me. It's like, yeah, yeah. My, my note exactly was, Jace, what are you going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to tell on you to mom if you don't listen to me. Stop right, that. like, dude, you're going to say, like, his name, he's going to look at you and you're going to run the fuck away, okay? Uh, well, I mean, you know, good on him for growing upset, but I mean, as soon as he shows up, Damon's like, yo, come with me. Exactly. Let me show you a, a th- what did he say? Let me show you um an example of true leadership or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so is this when we we go to the Renera uh bedroom scene? Let's see. Uh we got Bartimos Celtigar telling Damon of a raven about Corliss's fever broken. Okay. Uh then he wants to get the nearest allies, uh, Massey and Bar Bar Eamon or Eamon, whatever. Uh, and Rhaenyra is calling for Damon, and he is just straight up like, "No, I'm 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 planning a war here, lady." He's like, "I'm so, finally in my element. I haven't been able to do this since episode three. Yeah, and yeah, that's uh, I don't know." Yeah, then Damon's going to teach Jace about loyalty, and then they get the white cloaks out side, and you know all the pledging and all that stuff. I mean, that's a, I thought that was a pretty good scene. You know, like uh-huh. you know, if you are honorable men, you'll honor your oath that you made to you know your king and to my wife and treat her as the heir, you know, the new queen, as she should be. And if you're not, I'll promise you a quick death, but if you betray us, you will you will learn pain. Uh, yes. Whenever uh, whenever I get to scenes like that, I always think back to that scene from A Knight's Tale, where, where Alan Tudyk is like, I will fog you as as you've never been... You've, nobody has ever been fogged like this before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have no idea what a fogging is in the first place, but you know, it's just like the, the he goes all in on that. He, he yeah. really went all in, yes. Um, and then, I mean, in the midst of all this, Rainier is still going through labor and like literally like grabbing the baby. She uh, pulls the baby out of herself. Yeah, I'm like. If this chick learned sword fighting, she would cream the shit out of, like, every dude in this fucking series because she has just uh, suffered so much, you know, like, reproductive system shock, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that she's not having any more babies. I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, yeah, it's probably true. So, yeah, and... Yeah, that that I mean really after that, you know, stillborn and preparing the baby and 
just this this series really likes that theme. I, you know, not only did I feel bad for her, but I felt really bad for like all of those maid servants who were like, "Please let us help," you know. But you're not going to dismiss us, so we have to just stand here and watch you drop your stillborn baby on the floor. Yeah, the the awkwardness and everything was just weird, man. Uh, but I, I mean, they they are trying to, they're doing the best they can to set Rainier up as being toughest bitch out there, I, I suppose. Although I, I still feel Rainier is pretty damn tough in her own weird way. Oh yeah, I mean, who the hell knows? They probably made her give birth in like seawater or something to Lena and Lenor. Oh, gosh, yes, that that makes all the sense in the world to me. Yes. Um. So yeah, after that we have Eric showing up. Was this Eric or Eric? Eric. Eric is back in King's Landing. Okay, so Eric shows up. In a really cool scene, you know, everybody's like, do we trust this bitch? This guy was working over in King's Landing. And then he pulls out the crown that apparently he stole from Viserys' body after the queen wrapped him up in um, his his mummy shroud and swears allegiance to, um, to Rhaenyra as the queen, and everybody else in the room does the same at that point. Uh, yeah, and everybody kneeled except for Rhaenys and I, I loved everything that they did with Rhaenys this episode because the whole time I'm sitting there like what is her plan here like I wasn't sure if she was all in or like she felt like she was all in but then she did these little things that tell you know gave me pause I guess well to be fair Rhaenyra wasn't all in for most of the episode this is true yeah. um is it th- at this point that we get the the coolest scene in the episode where they light the fire under the war table? Yeah, yeah, dude, that I was mean, fucking really, awesome. The, I I really I want one of those. The illuminated uh, my my note the illuminated ta- table map is awesome because I didn't know what the hell the name of it was at that moment. So yeah, that was pretty pretty cool. I, um, they didn't have that in Game of Thrones, did they? No, and that made me wonder why. Yeah, I mean, that would have been something, like, Stannis would have been like, fire, fire and war, <laughs> my two favorite things. Stannis would have just busted, he he would have pulled an egg on, he would have found the nearest window and just started jacking it. Well, I mean, he would have had Melisande do it for him out the window. Oh, gosh, and then out would have came, like, some shadow liquid, oh. <laughs> just, I miss Stannis. It would have just boinked over onto Gendry or something. <laughs> Now, here, here's something that made me kind of laugh, is like, I, I know it was intentional, but, I mean, really, they're like, well, we have 30 knights, 100 crossbowmen, and 300 men-at-arms. That's our military. Like, that is a pitiful-sounding military. Yeah, uh, I would imagine that's just, you know, Dragonstone. You know, just the, what's on the garrison. Because that's not like a Winterfell or a Casterly Rock or even an Airy, you know, where you have, you know, a city and a community built up around it. I mean, Dragonstone is basically just a fortress on an island and the Dragon Pit. Oh, okay. See, I did not know that, but still, 30 nights, come on, you guys can do better than 30 Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Jesus. 
based on the fact that this is where the heir to the Iron Throne is supposed to be, like, at all times, right? That That's the general idea of Dragonstone? Yeah, I mean, um, the the idea was set up, so, like, for example, if King's Landing comes under siege, you don't lose the king and his heir at the same time. Right. So I guess I just expected more? Well, my question at this point would be, like, Renera, what the fuck have you been doing for the last ten years? You know, did you just sit in Dragonstone and Boink Damon and never do any pol- politicking? Because, I mean, you're, you're sitting around and your whole thing when you get going is to let's hope all of our allies that we've been talking to in the past will still be our allies, you know. I mean, you've known Otto is, like, campaigning against you since he's come back. So why have you sat around doing nothing? She hasn't put a single sign up in her front yard. No, and it's like None. election day's next week, and nobody knows which way she's fucking going. Right, yeah, she she really... Yeah, it really is a good question. What the hell has she been doing? I mean, this is... Like, the writers are really good at, like, interpersonal character scenes, but they're kind of dropping the ball on, like, the overall picture. Like, Renera was schooled in, you know, diplomacy and statecraft and learned a lot of the negatives from Otto, you know, by watching him. So she wouldn't have just been sitting around passively for 10 years waiting for, you know, people to usurp the kingdom from her. Correct. That, yeah, that's just bad writing. And who the hell is Bar Eamon? Like, why is he important? Why, like, his name got brought up, like, three or four times. Is is he somebody remotely important? Was, was who, was he the Riverlands one? Oh, maybe. Because we... You know, I probably... We, no, Riverland... Wait. They already sent word to River Run and Lord Grover. Grover was the fickle one. And that's who Damon was going to go with. Go to. So I don't know. Alright, so it looks like the... Bar Amons are just one of the families in the area, so... So that's a name of a family, that's not the name of the dude. Yeah, it looks like it, because... It, Looking at the the review I'm looking at, it says the Bar Amons, the Celtigars, and the Masseys are oh, are the okay. lords of the Blackwater Bay. Okay. And then the major okay. lords are the Starks, the Baratheons, the Aarons, and the Tullys. Alright. Yeah, I have all these freaking names written down. I was trying to like make sense of things, but you know. Uh only th- I, I have Lord Boror Baratheon, which is a really fun thing to try to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we find out who the enemies were, because like, they were going through, like, all right, who can we possibly get? All right, who's our enemies? The Lannisters, immediately. Yeah, number one. And wh- what is West of the Golden Tooth. I don't know if I've ever heard the term Golden Tooth prior to this. Is it just a landmass? I, you know what? I'm not going to lie. When they were showing the map, maybe it's just been a long time since I've read the books. And, I mean, it has been a long time uh, since I read the books. But I kind of remember the map being in the opposite direction. But then it wouldn't make much sense when I think about, like, the end of Season 4 when Arya gets on the boat to go over to Pentos, 
you know, I always, I was thinking, always figuring Pentos was to the east of, uh, of King's Landing, which it is. But I was, for some reason, always thinking that the Erie was, or the area was to the west. When I guess it's on the east, and the King's King's Landing is on the. So I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Fair enough. It's been a while since I yeah. looked at one of the books, let alone a map. Yeah, what what the hell, Chris? You you don't sit there and study the map an hour before we get on the air here to do this? Uh, I, you know, I don't even open up IMDb an hour before we get on the air to do this. <laughs> I have IMDb open, but it's not for this show. It's for every other damn thing I've been looking at. So, um, yeah. Anyway, after that, we get a lot of dragon names. So... They say that the Greens only have three. You said four. I thought they said Is four. Three or I three? thought they said four. They three. Okay, so they, I guess they only have three, but unfortunately yeah. for them, Vagar is one of them. <laughs> right. So they have... Uh, Rhaenyra's group has Syrax, Caraxus, Melis. So Syrax must be Rhaenyra's? Yeah, Syrax was Rhaenyra's gold. Uh, Caraxus, Caraxus was Damon's reddish one. And Melis is... I guess I guess he's red too. Yeah, uh, then with Rainies. The kids have Vermax, Arax, and Tyraxis. Uh, Bela has Moon Dancer. One hell of a name for yeah. Her. I, I was like, all of them sound like something out of Latin, and then you have Moon Dancer. <laughs> moon Dancer, like all of a sudden Moon Dancer. I was like, what the fuck, but whatever. Hold me closer, um, tiny Moon Dancer. Yep, that. Um, Damon mentioned that there's unclaimed dragons, uh, Sea Smoke, another great name, and Driftmark, which, okay. Uh, Vermithor and Silverwing dwell on the Dragon Mount, or Mont, and then there's three wild dragons who nest with uh, Rhaenyra's people. Um, So, but then... But then, just to just to cement what you said, and I specifically have this written, it says Dragonstone has 13 to their 4. So, either I have a typo on the Greens having 3, or they said 3, and then they said 4 later. And going the way the writing has been going, I'll say that they said 3, and then said 4 later. And, yeah. And even if yeah, that's not it, the case, it sounds cool for our purposes of our podcast. <laughs> Right, like my stupid detailed notes here. Uh, oh, and they also have a bunch of eggs incubating in the... Is it Dragon Mont or Mount? I think it's supposed to be Mount. Okay, it's it's spelled Mont, but pronounced Mount. That makes all sense in the world to me. Um, also, immediately after Damon says he wants to set up a toehold in Hall, and I want... I have two questions. One, what the hell is a toehold? And two... Why does anybody want to go to Heron Hall? Isn't that place cursed? Well, I would assume that a toehold is something like a finger hold, but aimed more at, like, Larry's. Okay, I was wondering if the toehold thing was a Laris. I, I, don't think it, like I don't think it was a reference, but I think it just works out perfectly for the points of your and my discussion. And isn't he the lord of Heron Hall? He is now, yes. So he, you ain't going to get anything in Heron Hall if he's the lord, right? Well, he's probably... Never there because he's the, what is it, the, the high questioner or the high inquisitor or whatever of uh, 
of the... He's the Spanish Inquisition, okay? Yeah, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, especially foot fetishists. Um, right. So uh, I would assume it's just more strategically, you know, because, like, being on Dragonstone, you basically have that one rocky path to get in or out uh, by land. And um, at this point, they're still not sure of Corley's, right? He hasn't shown up in the in the room yet? Uh, no. So they, they don't know whether or not they'll be able to count on the uh, Valarian fleet to, you know, and if case, if they can't, then it'd be easily to, to blockade them in from sea. Uh, so Harrenhal would just give them a place where they could actually maneuver armies and stuff if their bannermen and allies come to fight. And, you know, even though, you know, it's not apparent, you know, they her, her kids are should be the, you know, the heirs to Harrenhal. Right. right. Okay. Damon knows it. Right. Um, yeah, I liked in my notes here, I, I, I wrote, you know, a ship has been sighted offshore. So immediately I get excited hoping that it's Westerling. And then immediately they're like, it's a three headed green dragon. Yep. I don't know where Westerling's at. He's maybe he's, maybe he's like, peace out bitches. I'm going to go. Bye. I don't know, but he he's been in so many episodes and yet has done so so little. I, I need more Westerling. I love his the dude's but, the dude's got a great voice too. He does a lot of voice work for games and cartoons and shit. Yeah, yeah, I was looking him up, and yeah, he does a lot. So after that, we get the another meeting on this. I, I don't know. Is it a pathway? Is it a bridge? What the hell? I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, yeah, it's basically like both, kind of. You know, like a rocky, bridgey pathway up from the mainland to Dragon Mo- or Dragonstone. And, you know, this is another one of those times where they could have just, you know, fucking probably ended the whole series. You know, Correct. With one action, or at least significantly cut down on what's going on with one action. Yeah, you take out Otto... King's Landing doesn't uh, have was, the military strength. It was Otto and Kristen, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was there too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. So yeah, we're showing up. Um, we'll give you terms. Yeah, a got you know your father on his deathbed and is of course totally right mind. You know, not sick or drugged up or addled at all, decided that he wanted Aegon, your brother, to be elected king. So, you know, we went and did it in, you know, a matter of hours. And uh, we'll give you the choice, you know, if you swear fealty and bend the knee, you can stay here and never leave, and your kids can be his squires, and yeah, sure, they won't be used as hostages or anything, and uh, your kids will inherit Dragonstone and Driftmark, and everything will be happy. You know, you just gotta swear obeisance to your younger brother. Yeah. That's after Renera lands. What is it, Caraxes? Yes. Down, Syrax Sir- down behind them, and it's like, I love how she just walks through like blithely, like, ah, ha, ha. go ahead and touch yeah, her. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. nobody's going to touch her at that point, uh, except for Crispin. He was thinking about. He really was. He was like, maybe if I smack her head down onto the the, le- the the like the railing hard enough, she'll pull a, uh, Beesberry and uh, just bleed out, and we won't have to deal with any of this stuff in a. War- yeah, we didn't have any random beheadings or head bludgeonings in this episode, and I feel let down. Well, we did get something maybe better. Yeah. 
Maybe, maybe better. A little know. less, a little less in your face. Baymon's death really is one of my favorite deaths <laughs> ever. Quite frankly, just he can keep his just tongue. by yeah, like it happened so fast and. Like the image, like because you can still see the damn tongue. It, I don't know. It was great. It really was. Um, all right. So then we go to uh, basically Renera. You know, everybody's like, "Yeah, just just fucking burn him, burn him, Jacarys." And she's like, "You know what? I'll let you know tomorrow what my answer is going to be." And like Otto looks like so fucking relieved, you know, like probably the the most nervous he's been since Viserys took the the uh, hand from him. Although I love the fact that Renera takes the hand off of him, and she's like, "You do not deserve this." Oh, that that was one of my favorite things was her just ripping the damn thing off, and then I was like, "Is he the hand anymore?" Uh, I mean, I would. I mean, I, I bet you know he's got like a whole drawer of backups after the first time he lost the position. <laughs> yeah. He probably went, you know, like I need 15 of these made. Yeah. I can see him do that. He's hilarious. When you limp over there, can you make, <laughs> you grab me one of my backup hands out of the drawer? Right. Um, also Orwell was, was there. Orwell gets a lot of screen time and does absolutely nothing with it, but he's on screen quite a bit, I feel. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, you would I would assume that somebody who stuck to his guns and tried to help the king would have, I don't know, maybe been a little more honorable than Orwell has shown himself to be, but hey, whatever. Uh, I, I will, I'd like to read this quote of she can have her answer now, stuffed in her father's mouth along with his withered cock. Let's end this mummer's farce. I don't even know what a mummer's farce is, but I liked everything that was said there. Uh, mummers were also known as, like, jesters or actors. You know, back in, like, oh, okay. a mummer's troupe would have been, you know, like, the the people that would travel around to perform at, like, Weddings and uh, the, uh, the 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 magic uh, oh, lancers yeah. that that Joffrey had. Yeah. yeah. I I also really liked how Damon's just like bring Otto to me, and Eric's like, all right, like he was. They were all in on just ending it right then and there. Which once again kind of ends the series in its own way, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have ended. Quite the same as it would have if, like, Rainey's had burned the entire royal family. But you would have taken out a lot of, you know, the political and military, you know, aspirations that the, the other side had. Yeah, just the intelligence aspect alone, you're, you're losing so much, so. Yeah. And then. So. Uh, we, we get the war room. We again. get the war room again. And it's just about this point that everybody's. Correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody's like, "Aren't you gonna? Aren't you gonna do something? Aren't you gonna? We should strike first. We have the dragons." And Rhaenyra's like, "You know, the the queen's job is to hold the realm together, not to split it apart in civil war." Well, not only that, she's like, she doesn't want to rule over a kingdom of ash and bone. 
So that is something that, you know, I think we discussed this way back when Daenerys went batshit crazy. Like, you know, like you need to actually have people to rule or there's no point in being a ruler. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, I mean, we're basically seeing like the, the end of the like sane Targaryens basically through this series. Um, is this 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 next part where we get the Damon Renera thing, or is this when Corlys shows up? So yeah, uh, she asks Damon if if he could win the throne without putting Otto's head on a spike, would he? Which I enjoyed that question. And then Song of Ice and Fire. Then we get the freaking choke that I did not expect him to just choke a bit. Yeah, I, you know, it, shit was going left and right in this episode. Yeah, you know, it actually seemed kind of out of character for Damon to do that, despite Damon being so chaotic. I, I, I don't know. It just it did feel out of character. Well, to me, so I read an interview with the the show runner where they were talking about the scene, and they're like, you know, it just shows that. Damon always assumed that he was uh, um, Viserys, you know, heir, and then never getting this passed on to him would have pissed him off, you know, shown that, you know, he wasn't ever, you know, seriously considered Viserys heir in the first place. And I wanted to be like, well, why would his first reaction be to choke her when he doesn't even know what the fuck she's talking about? Thank you. Yeah, he had no idea about the story, so... It's almost like they re- did that in reverse order. Yeah, like, what they should have happened, if they wanted to do that, would have been, she's like, you know, the, the Song of Ice and Fire. And he'd be like, what the fuck's the Song of Ice and Fire? And then she said, you know, it's the, the you know, the whole reason that Aegon the Conqueror decided he had to be king, you know, and blah, blah, blah. We have a duty, you know, to see one of us on the throne to save uh, the world from whatever the danger in the North is. And, you know, it's been passed on to... The, the heiress, you know, the people who need to know, and then Damon should have choked her, and it would have made sense instead of right. vice versa. He chokes her, and then she explains what's going on, and he's like... And even then, yeah, I don't... I, don't, I mean, like... If she had really pushed the auto thing, I could have seen that, you know, being, you know, a confrontational thing. Like, Damon wants to do what Damon wants to do. But, you know, he's been happily subserving himself to her for what 10 years at this point yeah, Six years, like, something like I'll, that you know so he, he's never seemed like cross towards her since they started talking up so it was just a really out of character thing without any anything before it to to lead him that way I, they they needed a scene or something to get him that pissed off i i don't know they needed something extra and we didn't get it I would I would yeah, I would completely agree with you on that one, Kent. We did not get yeah. what we should have for the context of the scene to make sense. Right. But on the plus side, we get Corlys next. Yeah, uh, I want to just. I mean, it, it almost feels too like a wake up call for Renera, though. Like, like, do you think she ever really believed that he killed his ex wife? Um, that's a hell of a question. Um, but I could definitely see her believing it after, you know, that outburst. Yeah, now, now, 
prior... I don't know. She knows that he, he had a devilish way of about him, so I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the other thing that it brings up is, like, probably I would say up until this point, she hasn't really ever had to, you know, like, worry about, is Damon going to obey my orders? But right. but now I definitely you know, have a feeling that, you know, that's in her mind, too, you know. Even if I even if I want to try to work out a peaceful thing with Allison, is Damon going to abide by this, or is he going to thrust us into war himself? Right. And damn it, now I'm thinking, we never got to see one scene. I mean, I know it was unimportant in the grand scheme of things, but after they built it up in episode five, where Damon was going to talk to whoever at the Vale, like I really wanted to see that scene play out, and we never got. Well, we still might get to see it because the veil is one of the, even though the ruler of the veil is uh, Rhaenyra's aunt, when they go to sue for them to join them, now they're going to have to deal with the fact that, yeah, you've got blood ties to one and then the other one was accused of murdering, you know, your cousin, so... Okay, so eventually we we might be able to get something. Might be, maybe, maybe season two. Okay. Fair enough. So then we get Corley's showing up, and like we already discussed, like this guy looks way better health for somebody who was, you know, bedridden and dying <laughs> two episodes. They, they overhyped his health condition and then showed this. It. I, I was expecting a wheelchair. I don't know if wheelchairs were a thing. Probably not. Wait, were they? Uh, Bran had, had one. one. <laughs> I mean, this is a couple hundred years before Bran, but... Uh, I'd assume that they probably would have had the whole idea going. I mean, they had wheels, they had wagons, so I see no reason why they wouldn't have a wheelchair. So, yeah, like a wheelchair would have been, I don't know, I I just expected him being like 10% of what he actually shown. That's what I expected. Yeah, I mean, seriously, literally, this guy's sickness kicked off the whole fucking war, basically. Right. Uh, I don't know. It, it was kind of maddening. I mean, I'm happy for him. I wish he would have been bitching about his haul, but he, we didn't get that either. So, do we go? Do we go to the scene with him and Rainey's first, or do we go to the scene with? I mean, I know we him and Ra- him and Rainey's Okay, first. that's what I've kind of. Remember. I'm glad I'm mostly remembering this correctly. So he's finally like, "Yo, what happened?" She's like, "Yo, your your brother tried to fucking you know take over." Drift to it, Mark, and uh, you know he straight up called Rhaenyra's kids, you know, bastards, to Viserys' face, and then Damon cut his head off. Uh, you know, I needed you. Where the fuck were you for the last six years? And he's like, "Yeah, it's my fault. You know, I dreamed too big. You know, reached too far. Let's just take the kids and go." And Rainey's is like, "You can't do that now. Like the kids are going to be fucking targets as long as." Aegon sits on the throne. You know, no matter where we go, the high towers are going to fucking come after us. Which I guess kind of shows where Rainey's head has been all episode, but she hasn't been showing it in like the glances and the faces that she's been making. This was a big reveal for for her character because up to that point, you really didn't know where she was. So. Yeah, for sure. It, it was a. Despite it being Corlys's return scene, this was 
just as much about Rainey's as it was about him, if not more. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, she's literally like, you fucking abandoned me for six years. You know, our son died, our daughter died. I needed you. You took off to go play soldier. You got injured. Yeah, every time I needed you to back me up, you were gone. Oh, quick question. Um, There was the line, the stranger cast a long shadow over this family. What? What, what or who is the stranger? The stranger's one of the seven. He okay. he's like without being quite as antagonistic, like their version of the devil. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember all of them, but I do remember that he's he's like the the one who changes his face and he's kind of like a trickster and uh, inviting the stranger to dinner is you know inviting trouble to your table kind of thing you know that kind of saying. Okay. So basically, um, he's just brought, you know, the gods have brought bad luck down on their house, is what she's saying. Gotcha. I, I also liked, you know, right at the end of the conversation, Rainey's saying that Rhaenyra was, like, the only one showing any restraint and preventing a full-out chaotic war. Like, that was probably the most common sense thing that anybody said the whole damn episode. Yes. For, you know, for a time. <laughs> Yes, for a time. Um, and then we get to go back to the painted table. And we go back to the painted table, and Corlys is there this time. And yeah. he... I forgot if, if the order is correct, but basically he pledges for himself to Rhaenyra at the beginning, doesn't he? You know, like, she greets him, and there's a little back and forth, and then he says, you know, I got your back. And it worked. Um, yeah, basically yeah. He, he first kind of like... You you know you don't have enough support to win a war right now, which I think was important. Yeah, because uh, everybody kind of knew it, but no. Well, aside from maybe Damon, nobody was really saying it. Yep. And then after he brings it up and declares himself for, he says, "Well, you know, at least this time my time in the Stepstones wasn't worthless, because we kicked the shit out of the Triarchy, kicked them out of the Stepstones. I actually remember to garrison it this time instead of forgetting to hit that save end of turn button. <laughs> that that cracked me up, actually. That whole thing was great. And he's like, we have complete and total control of the inner sea now, and the largest fleets in the world are at your disposal. Yep, so now they can cut off travel and trade to King's Landing. Um, and Rhaenys is like, yeah, I'm just going to take Melisse and I'm going to patrol it myself. Nobody's going to fuck with that. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, she's, she, she fucking was baller this episode, that's for sure. I would say the last two episodes, actually. Yeah, she's been the MVP of the past two, two episodes. And good for her. Uh, now, are we, are we never hearing about this stupid triarchy again? Because they, they, you know, early on, the Triarchy seemed like, oh, maybe there'll be something cool, sort of like the Crab Feeder. But you know what? The Triarchy has been utterly worthless. Uh, or am I to assume that they're just utterly worthless and we don't ever have to hear about them again? Uh, I don't remember if they were still a thing in Game of Thrones, but if they were, I mean, most of that would have been replaced by the Iron Bank. Basically, I think they were basically the predecessor to the Iron Bank. Like, I think the Triarchy was... The the banking, shipping, and slavery. You know, those three businesses basically aligned. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, we find out Jace is going to travel north to the Vale and meet Lady Jane, which every time I hear Lady Jane, all I can think of is G.I. Joe. Lady J, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's funny, because Jace's got to go to see Lady Jane Aaron, and then he's got to go to Winterfell to meet uh, Lord Cregan Stark. Luke, he's just got the easy one. He just has to travel south to Storm's End and meet uh, Boror. Well, you know, it seems easier. That's right. Yeah. I'm sticking by what I just said. Well, I mean, if I had a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, I'd probably send the 14-year-old to do... And I had to send them, split them to do two things. I would send, you know, the older one to do the, the two and the younger one to do the one. Although, let me ask you this. When they take off, correct me if I'm wrong, three dragons take off. Yes. It was... It was... Bela? Was, run, was one Rainies by a chance? I thought one was one of the the girls. So I was like... Oh. Where are they? Or it's like, is she going with Luke? With Jace? I was like, uh, but maybe Moon Dancer is. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe it was Melis and Rainies was heading off to start her patrols. She's like, "Fuck you, Corlys. Peace out, bitches." I, uh, I, you know, even with before I knew the impending idea of what was happening, because you know assumptions could be made. I was just thinking like. How feasibly? Why not send? I, I don't know, Rainies maybe, and put keep the boys together as a duo. I I don't know. I wouldn't have sent a twelve year old on or fourteen year old for that matter. I wouldn't have sent either of them alone. I I guess is my point. I wouldn't have sent just, either of my heirs alone, especially when it, one right. is the heir to the throne and one is the heir to Driftmark. Um. With right. with nothing other than you promise to honor your your allegiances. I sorry I haven't talked to you in like the last twelve years, but you know I'm hoping that you know you're going to be honorable. Um, with no room to really negotiate, you know, nothing to like. You're up against a fucking wall at this point, and you know it, and you're not, you know, like wiggling to try to get out from you know, being in front of the bullseye. To me, it would have made more sense. And I understand Damon was sent to do his own thing, but I was sent Damon and Rhaenys out as the older, more well-spoken people to have these conversations or maybe have Damon with Jason, Rhaenys with Luke, something. I would, I would have done something other than just sending out a 14-year-old to do two tasks and a 12 year old to do one task. I, I just wanted to, yeah, it made, I, it made no I agree. sense. I agree. It, it, it was plot armor. Well, no <laughs> lack thereof lack thereof. So, um, I know at some point, I think we've already passed it by Damon's in the dark singing to one of the dragons and high Valyrian. Well, um, that actually, so Rhaenyra tells her boys that they are going as messengers, not as warriors, and then we get the Damon underground oh, singing okay. in Old Valyrian. I was, was that his dragon, or was that another dragon? No. No, this is a big beast that could be as big as Vagar. This is Vermithor. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I have no idea what that scene was fucking about. I, I think, well, because they they said that Ver, there was all those wild dragons and Vermithor was one. But here's the stupid thing. 
is that Vermithor was listed as being with another dragon, but yet they only showed us Vermithor. Why not do the other dragon that was supposed to be by itself? I, I didn't understand why you showed just one dragon, but you picked the dragon that was paired up with another dragon. I don't know. Budget? Just just do the have him go to the solo dragon. But either way, Vermithor looks like he's going to be a complete and utter badass. Like, he looks huge, right? Yeah, I mean, I still think he's not... Vagar's the biggest. She's, she's the biggest. The okay. only the only one that was equivalent to her size was the, the one whose skull is underneath the the Iron Keep. Gotcha. That was that was her mate, and she's the... She's actually probably, I think at this point, too, the oldest living thing on the planet. Hmm. She, well, she's, yeah, I mean, she's, Well, she survived from old Valyria, you know, so she was... One of the ones that, like, Aegon... I think she was the one that Aegon's sister-wife rode. Well, he rode uh, Balerion the Black, the one that whose skull is underneath the throne. Or underneath the uh, the keep. It, and it makes me wonder, just to go back in time, how did they let a- Aemon just take it? Like... Damn, that made no sense how they just, like... I mean, yes, I understand that they had to have him have it. But, from a practicality standpoint, they just, like, let him have it. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do? It's not like you can force the dragon to bond with somebody. Yes, you can. You offer it some marshmallows. Okay, Puff. That's right. (laughs) Um, So, okay, so we go from the singing... Is this when we actually get the first shot we've seen ever of Storm's Landing? Storm's End. Storm's, Storm's yeah. End. So I, I thought that was cool. You know, like, it's someplace that hasn't really ever been talked up, like, say, as much as Casterly Rock. But, yeah, I mean, this was the place that Robert was from. You know, the, we've never really been to the Stormlands in the in either show. And so we get the, the first shot, and it's pretty cool uh, looking like Castle Out on a Primatory. Yeah, it looks like it sounds. Yeah. Storm's end. Uh, so, Luce Ares lands his little mini dragon in the courtyard. And uh, he's like, I'm here to entreat with Lord Boros. Uh, what the hell is his last name? Bo- Boro- Boros. Uh, shit, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Someplace else. Robert Baratheon. And, and the oh, guards yeah. are like, yes, well, thank you. And then you see a lightning shot in the background, and you just see Vagar like looming up bigger than the fucking castle. And you're like, "Oh shit!" And like, if I'd been Luke, I'd been like, uh, "You know what? Here, you give this to Boros. I'm gonna go take off. I'll see you later." Yeah, like as soon as I saw Vagar, I'm like, "No, just get the fuck away. Like, you got a little bit of a head start. Go." I mean, especially like, considering the fact that, like, you're the dude that cut your uncle's eye out. Like, you you know that he he hates your guts, quintessentially. And so you know he's there, there and you're just there as a messenger. Like, you can just deliver the messenger, message and get the fuck out. Like, it, once again, this is why you don't send a boy to do a man's job. Well, I mean, I get that you think that you're going to have, you know, diplomatic immunity, but... um. You know, you never trust that shit when war's going on, especially in Westeros. Hell no. No. Uh, so he goes in, and we see uh, 
Boros on his throne and Aemon's already there. And uh, he he gives them the message and Boros is like, what, you... Were you getting the idea that, like, he couldn't... He was either nearsighted or is it that, like, he can't read and so he has to have the Meister read it to him? He, he can't read. That was what I got. Okay, yeah. So apparently the Lords of Westeros and Robert's family have always been kind of fucking stupid. They're, they're hunters, not readers. <laughs> they're not really good hunters either, but they're hunters. Uh, I mean, you know. What, what, what the hell can you hunt in Storm's End? Like, hunting season must be awful there. Like, I go hunting for lightning bolts. Once, oh, once in a while they hit me, but I hit them back with my hammer. <laughs> it ricochets off my hammer. Yeah, yeah, that all makes sense to me. Uh, so he's like, you know, what the fuck? Are you stupid, kid? He's like, at least your uncle came here and said he's going to marry one of, you know, what, one of uh, Aegon's kids are going to marry my daughter. You know, like, are you going to marry one of my daughters? And he's like, uh, I can't. I'm already betrothed. And he's like, you don't. So you, you came in to ask me to bend allegiance to somebody who has no allies, and you're not offering me anything other than a fucking ch- chance to fight on the losing side in a war. He's like. Yeah. And Luke's like. And two of his daughters out of the three were actually quite attractive. And, and Luke's like, at that point, he's like, uh, I'm going to go now. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Luke, I, I mean, you know what? If I'm Luke, maybe, maybe just be like. Yeah, I'll plow one of those girls. Why not? I I don't know. You got to give him something in that moment to like. What? What an imbecile move! I would have been like, well, you know, I got a I got a younger brother named uh, Joffrey. <laughs> we can we can marry him off. He's not married anybody yet. Joffrey or Viserys? Joffrey, Viserys, yeah. and Aegon. All three of them. Yeah, like yeah. you had those bargaining chips. At that point, you say, you know what? They're free. Let's let's make a deal here. But it doesn't. And he goes to leave. And Eamon stops him. And he's like, yo, bitch. Uh, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but... Cut your fuck- <laughs> Wait, Lord Strong, cut your- was his words. <laughs> cut your fucking eye out for me. <laughs> cut your uncle eye out, uncle fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, hey, hey, can you just grab this knife and just cut your eye out for me? Thanks. And did he, what did he, did he have like a gem in his eye socket? Uh, yeah, I think so, because... Like a sapphire or something? Yeah. Yeah. Looked pretty awesome. And at this point, we finally get Boros being like, yo, no, what? No, you can't, you can't mutilate your nephew when he's, he's an emissary to me. You know, you can wait till you guys, you know, get outside of Storm's End to do that kind of shit. Right. Boros, he was pretty funny, actually. In, in all fairness, I thought Boros, like, in, in his limited screen time, was really funny for me. He was, I mean, he he wasn't wrong. You know, like, no. coming from where he's standing, you know, yes, his father pledged to them, but, you know, like, obviously, Renera never went to him after his father died and was like, hey, you're going to honor your dad's, you know, agreements, you know, his his... His uh, his his words, you know, it's all on her, you know, that failure. Yeah, one hundred percent. So we get a long scene now of Jace flying away on his little mini dragon, 
through the storm, and then Eamon snapping out of there and uh, showing up on Vagar, chasing him. Um, and I guess this is one of the changes between the book and the show. And I think stuff like this works, where uh, it's pretty apparent for the most part from Amon's expression and what he's doing is that he's he's just chasing Luke to fuck with him, to, to scare him. He's not intentionally going out of his way to, like, murder him. Right. And uh, Luke disappears for a while. You know, he goes down into, like, a little canyon uh, that Vagar can't follow him in. And then when he... The, the visual, yeah. by the way, of Vagar just, like, the shadow, like, was awesome. Yeah, they did a really good job with this. You can tell that a lot of this season's budget went for this scene. Because it looked really, really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when Luke reappears, his little dragon is disobeying him and breathes fire into Vagar's face. And after that, it's on. Like, Vagar's just completely ignoring Aemon. And uh, so... Luke ends up climbing up above the clouds because they were in the storm and he's flying around not too far out of the cloud and then all of a sudden Vagar just comes fucking flying out of the clouds and bites him once and just completely kills Luke and his dragon and when he spits him out they're in like six pieces falling so yeah that was an RKO out of I will say this I owe you I, I owe you for last week I ate crow because I said we I don't think we would see any significant deaths and I guess Luke is significant enough within that cast of the show to be considered that so I mean what's Driftmark gonna do now uh I don't make you know just a girl there since you know they've already done that for the throne yeah that makes some sense I guess I don't know I have no maybe Renero will be like you know Laner's not really dead (laughs) yeah That's true. I mean, make him in the... God, I can't even remember... Carl. Carl Corey. Coral. Yeah. Um, And, like, probably some of the best acting that we've seen from Amon this season so far is, like, when when he realizes what he's done. And one of the reviewers that I watched was like, it's like, uh, uh, hey, uh, The Wall... Are you, are you still accepting applications? <laughs> okay, I'm on my way. <laughs> that that was such. There, there, it was a series of uh ohs. Like the past five to ten minutes was just every minute there was a whole other scenario of uh oh. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was it, a good scene. It was, but uh, 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 like we said, it it really wasn't enough, especially no. for. The what we get after it. Yeah, which, yeah, let's just get to it. I mean, because yeah, really I mean, not much left. Amon's face basically realizes that, oh shit, I started the war. And then all we basically get what's left is Damon walking into the war room and pulling Renera aside and letting her know that a Luke's dead, his dragon was killed, Amon murdered them. And all we get is it ends on a shot of Rhaenyra's face looking like she 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 bear mama, like getting ready to you know like go crazy on the people who are attacking her cubs. Hulk smash. Yeah, 
pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so basically what she was saying about not wanting to rule over a kingdom of ashes has just gone out the drain with her son's death. I mean, her meaningless. And not only that, but I mean, really. two two sons' meaningless deaths within like what a day. Yeah, yeah. So she lost. Uh, so she lost what a third of her children, basically, because she still has four left. Yeah, that would have been six. So right, okay. Yeah, so she's lost a third of her children. In about a twenty-four hour period, and uh, probably the, the baby wouldn't have been stillborn if not all the stress. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean that—that that seems like what it was kind of implying to me. And obviously, Luke certainly didn't need to die. But in all fairness, I know she's nothing about, but some of that blame has to go on her. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, uh, we've already we already mentioned what we needed to mention in regards to that, like sending him yeah. out and not giving him the authorization to, you know, be a diplomat, you know, while sending him on a diplomat's mission and whatnot. But what was Luke wearing a red shirt? I believe he was, uh, maybe, I mean, are you implying like that he was a red shirt? Maybe. I just, if it felt right, if he was wearing a red shirt and I think he was, that's all I'm saying. I mean, so I guess one thing that we get just about, you know, through the what they're trying to show at the end too is that like nobody actually controls the dragons. You know, for as much as they want to pretend that they do. Yeah, I did find that interesting that both Luke and Amon were trying to be in control, but man, that dumb little dragon Arax, what, what? It was just like a little yipping dog. And it was like a yeah. it was like a Chihuahua attacking a Great Dane, basically. <laughs> Yeah, and the Great Dane's just like, alright, I've had enough of your nonsense, and boom! Uh, it it was a cool scene, but, yeah, I mean, not to beat the dead horse or the dead dragon or the dead child, but we just needed something, like, that was an okay point, it's just we needed something else in addition. I don't know. Yeah. A beheading, perhaps? Uh, I mean, like, even just a line after that probably would have been enough. You know, something badass to let us know what's coming, but, but we don't. I mean, it, it's... And the look was powerful. Like you said, she, she was able to convey a lot in that look, but uh, they, they really just dropped the ball at the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt very underwhelmed, and that's how this season's going to be for me, is that the last two episodes, underwhelmed. Uh, honestly, it, it, if they would have ended this season with season eight with Viserys' death, yeah, that been... and then just opened it up with these two episodes, that would have actually worked better. I agree. Me. I agree. And if they had done that, they could have fleshed out a little more of like the questions we had between the time jumps. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think the the plot is there. The pacing just hasn't been there for a good chunk of the season. And I know a lot of it had to do with time jumps, but there's just so many open-ended things that they, all right, they put out there and then it just kind of goes nowhere. And we have a time jump and we're not going to go back in time to get any answers. Okay, cool. 
I guess. All right. So, I mean, this is not a bad episode, but it's definitely not one of the stronger episodes for the season. I think we would be agreeing that what five, six, five, seven, eight probably were the best. Yes. Five, seven, eight were by far the best. Um, these past, I mean, this one has a rating right now of a 9.3 on IMDb and under no circumstances would I have it that high. All right. So how would you, how would you rate the episodes? I still really liked episode five. So episode five is probably my favorite, followed by, I don't know, seven or eight in one way or the other. Uh, beyond that, maybe like episode one I really liked. Ep- episode one or two were both good in their own ways. And then these last two come in somewhere. There was... Episode 6 and I think episode 4 were probably the two weakest. Uh, see, I would say 3 was probably the weakest for me. Wait, which one was... Which one's... 3 is the battle with the crab feeder. Oh, God. Okay, so which one was 4 then? 4 was the um, the one where it starts with um, uh, Rhaenyra um, going through the... Uh, the... Uh, search for the suitors and okay. um i believe it was the one with um where damon takes her to the to the uh brothel okay so yeah i had three and four mixed up so three was probably the weakest followed by six and then these last two are somewhere like in the middle or like in the four yeah i would range s- i would say probably for me going from the bottom up it would go three six uh, nine, ten, two, one, uh, five, seven, eight, seven, five, eight, something like that. Yeah. Uh, five, five is probably my favorite just because there were so many awesome looks in it. Uh, yeah. What, seven was the one where we had the eye, right? The losing the eye. Yeah, the the kids fight in the Allison. Allison so stabbing Renera. Five, seven, eight. I, I mean, you could put them in any order, and I'm not gonna be angry about it. I don't think. So okay, overall, how would you rate the the whole season? It's probably like uh. If I had to go the whole with the highs and lows, I'm going to just go with like a high six, low seven. Well, just say a seven. Just it, it, off of off of not off eight. of your scale or yeah, off of my scale, I'd, I'd offer it a, a high six. Okay, yeah, I would say it's for me. It's probably like an eight. Okay. You know, not giving that. You know, very rarely does anything go below like a five. Yeah, so yeah. So it was good. It was pretty good. You know, it rekindled my interest in Game of Thrones. And I like like for example, like one of the changes between the the book and the show, you know, it was in the book it's written that Amon malevolently just went after and, and murdered Lucerys. And here, you know, if this is potentially trying to be closer to, you know, what actually happened, you know, it's a fucking teenager making a mistake and 
you know, accidentally murdering his nephew that he was just trying to fuck with. Yeah. Same same right. thing like with, with Allison. You know, in the book it's written that she just decides to install uh Aegon on the throne when Viserys dies. And here, you know, they're showing that, you know, she mistakenly believed that he was giving her, you know, free reign to go ahead and do just that. So little changes like that, especially because it was written, you know, this book was written as a historical book by a monk writing hundreds of years later, you know, not having actually lived through the events. And, you know, interesting twists on it compared to like Game of Thrones, which even though it's a novel, you know, it's written as, you know, this is the story. This is what's happening to the people as it's happening. Now, who, how do you feel Otto, Elsa, and Aegon? How do you feel all, there th- those three reactions are going to be about what Aemon t- just did? Because I, I imagine that they're not all going to have the same reaction, obviously. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, ma- I mean, I imagine Otto's going to be proud, you know, because... And then yeah. one action, even though you started the war, he's ready for the war. And, you know, you you took out a dragon and the heir to Driftmark. And, you know, if Lucerius dies, or excuse me, J-Series dies, you know, the second heir to the throne, you know, after Aegon. Aegon, I imagine, would be kind of butthurt because his little brother's already showing him up on, you know, like day one of his kingship. And Allison, I imagine, is going to be upset because, you know, she, even though she's ready to go to war, she was trying to sue for peace and give Rhaenyra the option to, you know, come back into the fold, as it were. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think that's going to be one of the big things we see in the season premiere, is those three reactions. All right, so here's a little mind episode, mind exercise for you. If Renera had torched uh, Kristen and uh, Otto, who do you think they would have installed as the hand and the head of the the White Cloaks to replace them? Um, I don't know. I'm guessing hand... I I could see possibly her going with Rainice. That would have been an interesting hand choice. Well, well and... Allison. Oh, Allison. Oh, oh yeah. Um, huh. Gosh, Larry's would have had to been head of the white cloaks, obviously, because he makes all of his cloaks white. <laughs> uh, really, I I don't. Who the hell is left? Like that's a. Do we know of any? I, I guess Arik would have been head of White Cloak, and Laris would have been Hand. See, like the only what? other thing I could think of is that she would have tried to make herself Hand, but then Laris would probably be like, "Hey, you know, you know how I told you that you owe me. Why don't you break out those nice little toesies for me? Yeah, take my foot. Well, it's my I, strong foot." Could she have been? Could she, like I guess you can make your parent the hand. Is, is that correct? Well, I mean, Cersei did. 
Well, okay. I guess, yeah. you know, she did technically until her, her dad showed up, and then he was like, yep, sorry, bitch. <laughs> Tylen was so good. Yeah, that would that's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, I, I feel that whole thing just crumbles immediately if Rhaenyra set that on well, fire. I mean, part of it, too, is... I mean, from what I understand, you know, from from what I've read from the books, is that like a lot of what happens is because of Kristen having so much animosity and basically being put in charge of the armies. You know, so like he and Amon basically go on like a war path. You know, that makes sense to me because Crispin has just been a whiny, douchey. Every other name I could think of since, you and know, if you, if he's you take stupidly that personal admitted. animosity out, like, do you have somebody who, I mean, you might have somebody who's just as good a warrior and just as good as a general, but they don't have any reason to prosecute the war, you know, as savagely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how and when Crispin dies, because, I mean, that's definitely something we're going to have to get in this series. Uh, is that something you actually know? All right, let me. Do you, uh, how much do you want to know? You can uh, you can let me know how Chris. I dies. I don't know how he dies. What I do know is that okay. everybody who was on that stage that Rainey's was looking at, yes, everyone who's on that stage dies. Oh, poor Helena. Everybody else, I'm okay with. I mean, yeah. Basically, like 95% of the people that we've met don't die in old age or in their beds. Right, like people are just going to keep... Is it, I'm assuming that, you know, one side gets the upper hand a little bit, then the other side gets the upper hand, etc., etc. Uh, Damon certainly ain't going to make it to the end of this franchise, I don't think. Uh I, I don't even know who I can picture making it to the end of the franchise, the end of the series. I, I really don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, all I'll say is this. Aegon is followed by Aegon as king. Right. So, yeah. The the baby, the baby who has not even spoken a word yet, is, survives. Is he younger than Viserys? Uh, I don't. I think I think, I th- I think Viserys younger. is younger, so he's younger than than Joffrey, but I think he's older than Viserys. All right, so basically, Jace and Joffrey are going to have a bad time. Rhaenyra's clearly going to have a bad time. Damon's going to have a bad time. All of that makes sense to me, and I'm okay with it as long as I, Damon. Here's you know I I do have a concern. It, given the the way the story's going to go, are, are, is Damon going to have room to be the loose cannon that he was, that we enjoyed so much in season one, or is he going to have to be, quote-unquote, more responsible in some way? I think he gets more responsible, if I remember correctly. Because, like, I know how Damon dies. You know, and and it's, it's going out as, like, the good dad kind of thing. Right. That makes sense. And, I mean, I can't imagine... Oh, well, hell, I'm surprised Corley's actually survived this whole season, so I can't p- imagine him surviving next season, but... Uh, I mean, let's put it like this. 
in Game of Thrones, did we hear anybody named Valerian or of a place called Driftmark? Nay. So, good stuff. Now, I asked in, in the blog, and, and I haven't read... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't, I haven't. I've been busy hanging out with family this week, so I haven't had a chance to respond. I was going to do that tonight. Uh, so, yeah, I have no idea what questions you asked, but please. Well, one of the questions I did ask was, was it, could this have possibly been the beginning of the Baratheon-Targaryen uh rivalry feud where the Baratheons just don't like Targaryens. Um, like, was this the first bad blood? I, I don't, I, I would assume that it probably wouldn't be this. It would be whatever repercussions follow in season two. Okay. But I mean, most of the, the stuff that Robert was pissed about stemmed from just from, uh, Whatever I forgot what the hell the king's name was, the mad one. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Um, you know, because like he he killed you know like Ned and Robert's parents, and he killed Ned's older brother or had them executed. You know, and then you know for Robert the last straw was being in love with Lyanna and having you know Rhaegar uh, kidnap her. You know, kidnap her. Um. And then her dying from it, you know, that was literally what caused the rebellion. Well, you know, him to actually actively rebel. Ares. Yes, thank you. I was thinking, I was thinking Varys, and I'm like, no, the king wasn't a spider or a eunuch, you know. So I don't. Right. <laughs> um. All right. Now, I'm. I'm a. Do does pretty much does everybody like. Basically, pledge one way or the other. I'm assuming in like season two, or like at some point, everybody kind of pledges one side or the other. Right? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's dependent on the time jumps that we get next season. Because, oh, because you know, think of it like this: like by the end of the season, the series, uh, we have to have gone probably at least like another 14 years forward. Because I think Aegon's about two now, and he's going to be 16 when he takes the throne. So. Oh, so wow. we have, okay. we have. I think they said they want to do between four and five seasons. So we have fourteen more years to go in three seasons. All right. Hmm. That's. But I, I mean, I, you I, know, I'm cautiously optimistic. They said we're gonna we're gonna meet. You know, like Allison's other son next season. They've they've stated that. You know, the one who's over in Old Town studying. Um. So I, I'll be interested to see who else we we meet. You know, like. I'm assuming we're going to see at least see, you know, the Tullys, the the Aarons, the Starks, um, because you know they're just too large families to to not um, be into it. Obviously, we're going to get something going on with Dorn because you know they're they're not part of the kingdoms yet. Uh, Oh, Dorn. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about Dorn in a while. And I, I don't know if this is when, like, whatever happens in the South is what causes the Tyrells to be able to take over as, you know, the, the house in the South. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Tyrells. Wow. But, yeah. I mean, it, I, the wall is there, but they haven't really mentioned So I'm wondering if we're going to see anything to do at all with the wall. You know, same same thing with, like, the Iron Islands. You know, they, they mentioned the Greyjoys, but we haven't heard anything about them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's going on. You know, I, again, I try not to just to, to look into 
anything more than what I already know. So I'm not actively searching out anything for this. So it, it's it's nice to be able to watch something from the perspective of just you know learning for the most part as I'm watching it. Have they basically always tried like uh, making the Starks into the quote unquote honorable good guys? Uh, I mean, yes. I I, th- I mean, like it's I guess it's just part of their character. Like I mean, as she says in this episode, you know, there's never been a Stark who would go back on uh, and a, a what the hell did she say? An alliance, an agreement, something that they've made. Some kind of oath. An yeah. oath. Thank you. So, all right. Well, I mean, realistically, we're looking at what 2024 before this be back. I mean, right? if this is airing, what August, October, probably yeah, fifteen to eighteen month turnaround. So probably somewhere like March, April, maybe June at the latest of 2024. All right. I I hate waiting that long, but I. I understand it because they're practically making like actual full on full budget films. Uh, they're making you know quintessentially five full budget films. It's I mean uh, when you think about it like that, the fucking turnaround's amazing for some of these shows. It really is, yeah. Uh, cause, cause just because of the money and the scale of everything and the effects and and everything. It really is impressive, and I guess I, in some ways I feel like a, an ass when I do bitch about, oh, well, that dragon just didn't look quite right. Like, the effects don't always look so good, but when you consider the turn... Well, I would I would really be interested in getting your opinion just on, like, I, I wouldn't want to do anything about the whole series, but, like, I, want, I would like to know what you think of, like, if you watch The Rings of Power... And then you watch this, and you realize that they spent like double the money on the Rings of Power that they did on this. And I mean, there are times that you can see the money that they put on the screen, but there are other times I'm like, this is looking like just just as good, or maybe only a little bit better than you know the Peter Jackson trilogy that he filmed 20 years ago for one tenth of the budget for three movies over the course of one season of a show that you're doing. It is uh, the Power Ring or whatever is that done yet? Or are they yeah, still that that ended the the week before this one did. All right. Now, how much of the do I need to know shit about Hobbit? Do I need what do I need to know to enjoy well, the show? I mean, it's I would say it would probably be better going in blind because like most of my problems have been the shit that they're changing. Oh, okay. That's perfect because yeah. I really was like, oh but, god, I have but to I'm not. I'm not saying else. that this is like a show that I would recommend, but I, I would be interested <laughs> in hearing, you know, your opinions. Okay. I, I mean, like, let me put it like this: it is not a bad show, but for the amount of money that they, you know, for this being the most expensive season of television ever made, it should have been way better. Fair enough. Uh, it, it's always interesting to look back on, like, uh, you know, a show or especially a movie that, like, set a standard 
so high that, you know, a decade later, for example, things are still getting compared. Like, Terminator 2 was, like, the benchmark, and I think Independence Day for a while was a benchmark. You know the what Matrix. I mean? Yeah. Matrix, yeah, that's a good example. Um, actually, I can't think of any recent examples of some that really... Like- I mean, you're probably talking about, like, Avatar, and all, like, I mean, the last... One that uh, yeah. I'm like I'm not a big fan of it, but I mean you know the the way they did 3D was definitely you know just groundbreaking. That makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it, but yeah, visually it was visually stunning. Yeah. So yeah. All right. With that being said, uh, can I talk about? Barbara? Yeah. Um, I know, was there anything else that you uh, watched between last week and this? Yeah. Okay, just Barbarian. Um, okay, so I've watched a lot uh, of stuff, but a lot of it has been uh, just stuff to keep my mind occupied. Like, I rewatched uh, Creep Show 1 and 2. I watched uh, Trick or Treat, Boba Duke. A bunch of just a bunch of shit that I've already watched that just I wanted something to put me in a good mood while I was feeling like shit. Um, but then I ha- I turned on HBO. Um, I don't even know why, and all of a sudden I see Barbarian. I was like, holy shit! I, I got super excited. Um, and I'm not gonna ruin it by any means. Uh, I already know what the twist the- is, but so please, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, what I really, really, really liked is how the pacing was early on because, you know, horror fans know who Bill Skarsgård is. So is he the bad guy early on? And like the way they keep painting it, 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 you know, it makes you wonder, makes you wonder. And then we go into like typical, uh, final girl making stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision. Then we get like this whole other story of Justin Long. And then my favorite aspect of it though, is that Richard Brake is in it. And you know, you know how much I love Richard Brake. Um, he is just, dude does a really good job of just being creepy. Yeah. And whatever he, 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 he's like Julian Richings in that regard for me. And like, whatever I see them in, even if it's a non horror thing, they're just fucking creepy. No matter, <laughs> no matter what. I, I, I would go the same with somebody like Tobin Bell has his own like presence and Robert England has his own presence. That is kind of inescapable. And Tobin Bell is coming back for the next saw movie. Which I, I, uh, I don't uh, even I don't. know. You know what? I hope it's good because it's being done by the guy who did Saw Six, and I thought that that was an interesting, maybe not the best, but you know, an interesting take for the series. You know, by by the sixth entry. Sure. Yeah, it went a little different, and I, I have I have no optimism. I'm going into it just saying I'm happy there's another Saw movie, but. You know, if it's good, great. If it's mediocre, I accept it at this point. But uh, to go back to Barbarian, one one of the things I really loved, and I don't know if you know the song that they play at the end, but it was perfect. What, what song do they play at the end? Um, Be My Baby <laughs> by the Shirelles. Well, I do know that song, yes. 
Yeah, it, it was such a perfect song, and you know, it's weird. I like Justin Long in most everything. The worst thing I ever saw Justin Long in was Tusk, and I, I still can't forgive that movie for existing. I mean, the but, only real question is: Is Man a Walrus? You know, I, I even rewatched Tusk earlier this year. Just like one night I was tired. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this movie a second shot. No, it's still, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I, I liked it. Everything. But it's not a movie that I feel I ever need to go back and rewatch. It has such a great cast because I really like Michael Parks, you know, Depp, uh, you know, Justin Long. Depp might be my the favorite part of that good. movie. Yeah, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting any anything out of him. You know, there's a lot of times, you know, within the whole Jack Sparrow uh, and um, what the hell was his name? Tonto, you know, period of, of acting that you forget that the dude could act. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he was an interesting aspect of it. Um, it was one of those things where the pieces of it were greater than the whole. Yeah, I would completely agree. I mean, it's it's not like a great movie. It's not even like maybe a well put together movie, but it's an interesting movie. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's like for me, it's like the Human Centipede. You know, like you watch it once to see what the fucking hubbub is, and then you never watch it again because a, I mean, seeing him like be sewn into that walrus body is not, you know, the most fun stuff. And then like that, the last scene where he's just eating the fish and, and like barking and, you know, they walk away. I'm like, dude, you lost your girl to a, you know, kid from six cents. <laughs> all, all yeah, fat. I mean, it doesn't get much lower. <laughs> um, did you, quick question. Did you ever see red state? Uh, red, Red State. Uh, that was the yes, one I Kevin Smith so. did right before that. The horror with um, Michael Parks as yeah. the uh, like the preacher. Yeah, I don't think I liked it. Okay, I, I haven't seen it, but I know people tend to go on about like how that's better than Tusk was. I would agree that it was probably better, but not by much. And I take it you haven't gotten into the Cabinet of Curiosities yet. I, I haven't. Uh, I've had a little conversation uh, earlier this week, but not enough to really uh, know much of anything yet. Um, by by Nove- November is usually my let's watch some TV shows and play video games because I am movied out. Um, so between that and uh, whatever the one with Heather... Uh, Midnight Club. And finishing off Stranger Things, and possibly trying to do Umbrella Academy. Uh, those are probably my my November uh, to watch list, so to speak. Uh, I know my wife is dreading uh, coming up because uh, every year I take vacation in between um, our anniversary and my son's birthday, and every year I rewatch the entire Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings special edition extended edition runs. So that's like I don't know, six days worth of fucking movies. That I've, that's that's yeah. so much, but 
You know, I, I do think I prefer the extended edition. Uh, you, ha- you have to. I mean, it's the. I understand why they cut them for the theatrical release because you want shit to flow and you don't want people to be in the the theater for four hours, you know, holding their their pee and you know, oh my god, is this ever gonna be? Out? But like this, a lot of the stuff that they cut just adds context and you know, even you know, whole character arcs to some of the characters. So, right. But I mean, the fact that um, you know we've been together for sixteen years and I force her to do this every year, you know, that's probably why she. She hates me. Well, she doesn't. I hope she doesn't hate me. Um, so, did we, we didn't put out what we're doing next month, did we? Unless, uh, we have okay. not. And interestingly enough, I just came across the movie that uh, fits the criteria. I have it written down somewhere. I don't remember don't what it was. Don't tell me. It's on sale. Um, I, I, I don't think it's even a, a good thing. It was just Voodoo has like a Halloween sale, obviously, going on. And I was like, oh, Bunch of strangers meet, and I was like, making note. So, um, what are, what are we calling this? Like, it's going to be our top five of like strangers meeting and having to overcome something, or like disparate people banding together to escape. Yeah. They don't even have to band together. It's just random people end up together in a horror situation. Okay. So that is what we'll be doing next month. We're going back to the monthly uh, uh, updates instead of weekly, so you guys will get a little break from us, you know, chance to revive and uh, refocus basically back on horror for a little bit. Although uh, I think we're doing a, a non-horror one for December again, which will be fun. Le- last yeah, last yeah. year's best Christmas movies was one of the, the most fun podcasts I think we've done. Yeah, I think um, I think we got something. Fu- I don't know. I, I have an idea that I'm going to float out to you when we're off air. Um, one one other thing I I said I was going to touch on before we got off here was in Wes Craven's new nightmare. Why, why? I understand why the dude who played Rod Lane from the original Nightmare on Elm Street is there at. Uh, Heather's husband's funeral. I still don't understand why Tuesday night, the girl who replaced Patricia Arquette and sang the opening song in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 is there because she has no ties whatsoever to anybody aside from potentially Robert England. Uh, well, what about Re- Wes? Wes didn't touch anything. Uh, um, between, yeah. He did the original, then he did New Nightmare. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the only answer I can come up with, Kent, is it's because you didn't watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2 when you were doing your rewatch. And it's funny because, you know, all I had to say was I skipped one movie of the franchise and, like, everybody that read that knew exactly which one it was that I skipped. Yeah. That's one of those movies that had, like, a really interesting potential and premise and just fell apart in the execution. Poor, poor execution. But, eh, I, I know that's a conversation for next year that we will hopefully be... Yeah, definitely to. definitely will hit Nightmare, the whole franchise, up sometime uh, next year. I, so, one other thing, speaking of Wes Craven, because uh, Dom posted like this list of Wes Craven's top 15 movies. 
I I'm okay. What do you rank higher? Do you rank Nightmare on Elm Street ahead of Scream or Scream ahead of Nightmare on Elm Street? <sighs> Just those two movies taken separately? Uh, I mean, because if you look at every list possible, those are numbers one and two. At, and every list, it's Nightmare on Elm Street. At one. this point in time, for me, I w- especially having rewatched both of them within the last several years of doing this podcast, I would have to put Scream higher. I think yeah, me too. I think as much as I if we Freddy. talk about like iconic villains, for me, Freddy's number one. But yes. going back and and looking at just the the quality of the movie now, like Scream Rock, and like like we've said, you know, Scream and Scream Two have two of the best cast lists ever in horror movies. And the plot makes so much more sense in Scream compared... Nightmare on Elm Street is not a great movie. I I know it's put on a pedestal because it was Freddy's first, and there's a lot of things to like. There's a ton of crap to dislike, and it never gets called out, whereas Scream minimizes the crap and has a ton to love. Not only that, but I mean, just like... Think about like the, the scene where he's in the alleyway and his arms are elongating. Like, like yes. some of the VFX just really don't hold up in the original Nightmare, especially when you can, yeah, like, especially why? when you compare them to just a couple, a couple years later, like Dream Warriors, Dream Master, you know, Dream Child. All of them had like way better nightmares. They made sense, and like, why is Freddy just randomly cutting off his finger and squirting green goo? I don't know. Like, it. <sighs> I almost wonder, like, if it would have made more sense if there had never been any sequels. Like, does does part one then become a different thing unto itself? I, I think it actually does. But because we saw how it evolved into something different and, in my opinion, better, uh, it just makes part one look so cheesy now. And, and yeah, I, I definitely put Scream 1 ahead of it, and I think I put Scream 2 ahead of it, quite frankly. I would I would agree. I mean, I I would have to go relook at Wes's whole filmography to remember everything that he did. You know, I remember the, the big ones, you know, like Scream, People Under the Stairs, you know. Uh, that's, the that's the hidden gem. Nightmare on Elm Street. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are ones that he did that I just don't remember him doing. Serpent. Oh Rainbow's shit! That was him. Another one. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. an, another one. Um, uh, sh- shocker. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Shocker doesn't. Yeah. But um. But you know what? So somebody made a point. If Shocker is your worst film, you've had a pretty good career. Um. Yeah. What was that last one that you he did that you made me watch? Uh, the girl. Yeah. In the that, I mean that one. That was one of the ones where it's not like scary, but it was when it's over, it bothered me. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, come, okay, he didn't direct it. He just produced it. He had a big hand in it. That was like the last film he... Are we just, are we just going by directors? Well, see, that was the thing. Some of the lists included produ- producer. Some was only directed. So I just wanted to make oh, that shit. Yeah, I forgot he did that. Vampire in Brooklyn. Red mm-hmm. Eye was actually pretty good. I've never see that was one that I read about, and I was like, I don't think I ever saw it. And it has Cillian Murphy, who I really like. Oh, I should. So, I he did Swamp Thing. At a time when, you know, doing comic book movies was not a th- 
thing, really. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you add in, you know, writer, uh, yeah, director, producer. Yeah, I mean, there's that would be tough. I mean, especially if they're they're going through and and um uh oh yeah, because because then some of the ones I remember them being like from Wes Craven, you know, Dracula two thousand, where he was a producer, or Carnival of Souls, or Wishmaster, kind of thing. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, he I mean actually I'll I'll go and say go one step even further. I may have Nightmare on Elm Street down to either number four or number five because I think New Nightmare might be a better movie. I would agree. I would agree. And People Under the Stairs probably isn't it's right there. It's like tied for me because People Under the Stairs is a completely different movie, but so good for so many reasons. And, you know, I, I don't think it's really fucking scary, but I think Vampire in Brooklyn's a fucking really well-made movie, too. I mean, it's probably top four, like, horror comedies, or it should be. You know, I think it, people forget about it a lot because it isn't as scary as some of the other ones, but... That that had uh, Eddie Yeah, Murphy, Eddie right? Murphy and Angela Bassett. Yeah. I think I saw that way back, like when it first came out, but I, I can't tell you a damn thing about it. Um, and you know, I mean, he still has, you know, Last House on Left Hills Have Eyes movies. Like, he had a really good career. He did. I mean, it had to have been scary being him. I mean, imagine. I mean, you've heard about the how Nightmare on Elm Street came about, right? Like he looked oh. out his window and saw a creepy guy staring at him one day, <laughs> and it bothered him enough that Freddy Krueger came to his mind. Well, then there was what was it over in Japan? There was something happening. He'd read an article um, about something about possibility of like dying in your sleep, and between those two things, that's kind of how Freddy came about. So yeah, uh, he 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 has a hell of a thing going on. All right, All let's right. let's end this sense. with my painful, hopefully sixty percent <laughs> with the the slash card uh, for the week. Let's see slash cards. I was doing this uh, Monday when uh, ha- had some drinky drinks with my buddy Ron, and I had a jalapeno moonshine. And Interesting. You know what? It was, there was no alcohol taste. It was a weird taste, obviously, but no alcohol taste. But man, did that hit me hard uh, when it did hit me. Well, I'm glad you drank yourself into a stupor earlier than a week. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one seems actually, this is a really easy card. I think you should get at least four of these. As you, hopefully. Yep. I think the well. All right, here we go. Name three horror movies starring Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Hannibal. And I don't know. Do they consider the Elephant Man horror? I don't know. Um. I'd never heard of this one movie. Shit, 
What about, um, I mean, is Hearts in Atlantis considered a horror movie, considering it's a Stephen King? You know, there's some horror aspects, so I would have, I, that was one I would have okay. counted, so yeah. Um, Wolfman was oh, one shit, I was yeah. thinking of. And they, yeah, I forgot that he was the dead. They list the uh, magic. I don't know what the hell magic is. I don't either. Like M-A-G-I-C or M-A-G-I-K? Uh, with a okay. C. Yeah, it's... Are you, are I am you looking at... Oh, 1978. And it's huh? got a picture of a creepy puppet on the front, so... Oh! Right. oh it looks like... Yeah, it, look, it, oh, it kind of looks like that... And Margaret. looks like that episode... Burgess Meredith. It looks like that episode yeah. of... Um, the uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yes, yes. All right, I would actually watch that based on on that. Yeah, it's uh, got a good cast. Yeah. Okay, so this is the one that I'm not sure, but since you are a well-read person, you might know this. The Haunting, 1963, was based on what Shirley Jackson novel? Uh, the Haunting of Hill House. That would have actually been my guess, but I wasn't far from sure. I wasn't sure if that was her. That's the only one I remember off the top of my head. From her. You should be able to do the rest of these then, I think. All right. What prop from another 1980s horror franchise can be seen hanging on the wall of the tool shed in Evil Dead 2? Fuck. It's, is it the hockey mask? No. Alright. I haven't watched Evil Dead 2 in like... It's the other obvious oh, one. Then. The... Wait, what other? I mean, there's a couple obvious ones. Um, Like the glove? Okay. The glove, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 since like... Um, I think my... I was still living in New York. <laughs> so, uh... Ah. Like, uh, it's been a few days. 24, 25 years. Yep. All right. Now, I know that you know this because I think we just talked about him last week. I think. Or maybe I had a conversation with somebody else. What actor has played Freddy Krueger in all but one of the A Nightmare on Elm Street films? I mean, this would be Robert Englund. Correct. Yep. Correct. And do you remember the other actor that played? Fre- Would have Freddy? been Jackie Earl Haley. Yes. Okay. This one's really tough here. Five friends visit an abandoned family home in rural Texas. Do I need to say anything more? Are we talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. Yeah. Only to run into a giant with a chainsaw is deranged family in this 1974 film. Like, I felt like they gave too much away in that question. Yes. Yes, they they very possibly did. Like that was an easy card, though, right? Yeah, like, that's eighty percent for me. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, I love how we managed to turn an hour episode of TV into two <laughs> hours of discussion. It's it's banter. It's it's a, a lot of things and. Uh, I, I, I often hear how, how do you guys watch something and analyze it so deeply? I'm like, 
I don't know if we're analyzing it so deeply. Like, we do have our questions, but it's just conversation more than analyzing. I mean, yeah, I really, I really think you can see the episodes that we do where we analyze stuff. Like, our Saw analysis was analysis. I mean, that was, what, like a four-and-a-half-hour podcast? You know, for, for yes. at the time, what, eight movies? Yes. So, I mean... A lot of times, yeah, we're just discussing, you know, and it's it's just two middle-aged white guys just giving opinions rather than going into analysis. Right. Uh, to, to go into analysis, I think, would just make us pretentious assholes. Well, not only that, but, like, I like to watch, and like I, I've told you before, and I've said, I think, on the podcast before, when I watch stuff, I like to immerse myself in it. So if I'm actually analyzing it, it usually means that it's bad enough that I've lost that immersion and now I'm looking to nitpick stuff apart to back up my feeling that this is not good television cinema what have you I I would agree because when I'm writing my my reviews I write more about the bad stuff than I do the good stuff for that exact reason where all of a sudden I'm just like oh come on really like this is really fucking happening like this person's so stupid you know so same idea, I think. So, like we said, we'll be back sometime next month, probably in all likelihood before Thanksgiving, to talk about our five strangers get together and have to overcome something. Or five best strangers get together, not five strangers in total, uh, get together and have to overcome something in the horror genre. Um, aside from that, I, can't, I hope you feel better next time. And internet... This has uh, been a pleasure to talk about. You know, we'll pick it back up whenever season two happens, probably 2024, like we said. Yep. All right. Good night for me.